You may have a seat. All right, we are starting a new message series this morning that I've called From the Top of My Head to the Tip of My Toes. We are called to follow Jesus and to be all in, uh, to live uh, for Jesus. And we live out that call as spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. And the focus of this series is how to live a spiritual life in an earthly body. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ at the age of 16, I wanted him to be Lord of all. I was just so in love with Jesus, and I tried to live my life every day in a way that honors him. What I've discovered over the years is that some days are easier than others. I believe that we all long to be more spiritual, and but our spiritual lives are lived out in a physical body that can sometimes work against our best intentions at spiritualness. Um, we try to pray, and we find our mind wandering ahead to the day's events uh, before us, or that we've fallen asleep. Uh, we set out each day to love Jesus as he's loved us, and instead we find ourselves sucked in by gossiping or criticizing or judging others. Everything that we hear in prayer or long for in our hearts is put into practice through actions in our physical body. And, and we live in a fallen world, and even though the, we've given our lives to Jesus, we find that it takes much less effort uh, to do wrong than to do right. And the goal of this series is to help us to be more intentional about what Paul calls uh, training in righteousness. Not trying harder to do better, but learning some practical steps that we can take, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to honor God with our mind, our spirit, and our body. Today we're going to talk about, uh, well, first we've got to look at our memory verse. Our memory verse for the series is from Galatians 2.20. Let's go ahead and read this together. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 And today, today we're going to talk about God's intention for our eyes. Our eyes are amazing, miraculous mechanisms of staggering complexity. I mean, they, the scientists are uh, just amazed at the complexity of our eyes. And God designed them uh, with an aperture that adjusts automatically to light and dark. I mean, we can see in the dark down to one photon, and, uh, and then in the brightest of lights. Uh, they have their own built-in cleaning system. Every time you blink, your eyes are cleaned. And they do their own maintenance at night while we sleep. Uh, we can focus on the most tiny detail and then look up at this panoramic view and they, our eyes automatically come into focus. It's been said that the eyes are the window of the soul. That's not actually in the Bible, okay? 
but Jesus did say that they are the lamp to our body. And our eyes do give us a glimpse into people's hearts. Our eyes give us away, don't they? They, they well up with tears. They get red when we're emotional. Uh, they bug out when we're angry. And when you want to know if your kid's lying or not, you invite them to look me in the eyes when you say that, right? Our eyes uh, communicate. Our eye contact is so important to connecting and communicating. That's why I speak down here. I want to be where I can see your eyes, know that you're understanding, that you're, you're hearing and getting what I'm saying, and so that you know that I care about you. And um, that can't happen if we can't see each other's eyes. Our eyes are a gift. Anyone who's lost their sight knows what a loss it is. Our eyes are a gift, and as Jesus' followers, we are called to use them wisely. So let me start with a question. Have your eyes ever gotten you in trouble? <laughs> Maybe you saw an ad for a car or a truck, and the next thing you know, you find yourself negotiating a price in a car lot for a truck or a car you can't afford. Or you look too long at a woman and you got a swat from your wife, right? Or the Facebook app caught your attention when you were at work and the next thing you know, your boss is looking at you over your shoulder. Or the waitress waves the dessert menu in front of you and even though you've eaten enough to put a bear in hibernation, you, you find yourself ordering one of these. Or something like it, right? Our eyes are like triggers that trip a response in our brain. Uh, last week, Forrest and I were driving home from church, and you'll remember that we had that beautiful ice storm, right? But the branches from the trees were sagging and drooping over the, high, the roadway, and at one point, it became very evident that one of the branches was going to, the smaller branches at the bottom, was going to hit the top of our truck when we went past it. And when we got to the branches and they started to hit the truck, both Forrest and I ducked at the same time. It was like a reflex reaction to incoming branches. And it wasn't until a few seconds later that my brain caught up and realized how silly it was for us to duck. There's a gap between what I know, that me ducking is not going to stop the truck from getting hit, and what my eyes are trained to do when a branch is incoming. Our eyes are information gatherers, and they trigger a reaction or a response from our brain. And there's a gap, sometimes a very short gap, sometimes a little longer gap, in which we have to decide how we're going to respond. And what happens in that gap, and then eventually um, when we respond, has a great deal to do with what we've practiced doing. And this is where things like character and self-control and courage are revealed. So, um, and this is important because God is watching his people. And he promises to support those who are all in, who are completely his. Look at Second Chronicles 6, 9 with me. It says, open my eyes. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's a hymn. <laughs> I think we just sung that, sang that. 
Okay, this looks more like a scripture. Um, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So, so what I'd like to do uh, in the time that we have left here is look at three ways that we can honor God with our eyes. And the first thing is to practice watching for God's activity in your life. Just practice watching for what God is doing. Uh, Jesus called the religious leaders of his day blind fools, blind guides, blind Pharisees, blind men, because they didn't recognize God at work right there in their midst in the person of Jesus Christ. They were spiritually blind to what God was doing around them. And God is always at work around us. And um, the longer that you know him, the more you should recognize his presence and his blessings. He's always pouring good things into our lives. And when we train ourselves to recognize those, then we become people who are full of gratitude. We have more joy in our life as we focus on the kindness that we see him showing us each day. And, and if this isn't something that comes easy to you, I would encourage you to start like a gratitude journal or uh, take a specific time a day that you're setting apart to think about the blessings and recognize what God has poured into your life during the day. And as you are practicing recognizing God's activity in your life, you'll also find more meaning and purpose in life because you see God's the needs around you, and as you respond to those, Begin to use your gifts uh, to serve others in the church and the community. Uh, you will find that God is using you, and, and it gives your life meaning. Uh, if you see a need around you, that's God's invitation to join him in meeting that need in some way. But it takes eyes to see things from God's perspective, and we de develop those as we grow spiritually and practice watching for God's activity around us. Then the second thing that we can do to honor God with our eyes is give careful attention to what you see with your eyes, what you allow yourself to look at. Uh, does anybody remember that Sunday school song, Be careful little eyes what you see. <laughs> Be careful little eyes what you see. Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. All right, sometimes we have to go back to the basics. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And, you know, we don't always have control over everything that we see. Something pops up in the email or online or in our day-to-day -day life. But uh, we don't have control of everything that comes into our line of sight. But we can make a decision about what we will look at and if we're going to continue to focus on that. So I want to talk about four things that we need to be, be particularly careful of as we follow Jesus Christ and live as Jesus lived. And the first, uh, there are four attention grabbers that can cause us or others harm. The first is temptations that lead us to sin. Most of us have heard the story of David and Bathsheba, right? It's found in Second uh, Samuel chapter 11. And it starts like this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Then it talks about some uh, battles that they fought. 
And then it goes on and says, but David remained in Jerusalem. So David wasn't where kings are normally at in the spring when other kings are out fighting wars. He stayed at home, and as the story unfolds, uh, one night he takes a walk on his roof, the roof of the palace, which is above, higher than the people's homes, and he looked down, he saw a woman bathing. Now, she was not sunbathing. She was not in a one-piece suit. She was bathing. And David had several wives and a whole harem of women he could choose from. Instead of turning aside to one of them, he sent a servant to get another man's wife. And as you know, she ends up pregnant, and then he tries to cover up this whole thing by having her husband killed. And this chapter in David's life, I mean, David's described as a man after God's own heart. He's the apple of God's eye. This was a dark spot in his life, one that, as you read on, caused him and his family a great deal of grief and loss, all because he didn't turn his eyes away from something that was off limits. We have to be careful that we don't let our eyes lead us into sin. And Jesus gave us an indication of how important this is when he said in Matthew 18, 9, and if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus was not telling us to gouge out our eyes. He's using hyperbole here. Kind of like when your mother said, I'm going to skin you alive if you don't stop (laughs) tapping your fingers on the table. But he's saying that if you're wise, you will go to great lengths to rid yourself of any attraction or lure uh, to a pleasure that causes harm, that leads you to sin, in order to pursue eternal gain. And if you have an area of your life that you're struggling with temptation, uh, of course you want to start with prayer and ask God to deliver you from addiction, um, from any attractions that lead you into sin, but also take some practical steps to guard your eyes. Install software on your computer that blocks the sites that are a problem. Uh, Go a different way home if there's a store that sells alcohol and that's a trigger for you. Uh, When Forrest and I were serving at Harbor Creek, there was a man that attended there who had a gambling problem. I mean, every week that he got paid, he would gamble his whole paycheck away. So his wife was, you know, they were a one-income family in essence because his work was the other side of the casino. So when he would get his paycheck and drive past that casino, he just couldn't resist. And so he put a simple thing into practice. He started driving a different way home. And, and, uh, and of course, praying, and, and over time, he's been able to, to get a grip on that. Our eyes can see things that trigger desires, and we respond by doing the things that we practice doing, either giving into temptation or resisting it. And it takes time and God's healing and sometimes enlisting others to keep us accountable uh, to reverse those things. Then the second attention grabber that can cause harm and hurt to others and to ourselves is uh, focusing on other people's faults. 
If we're honest with ourselves, we often see what we want to see in others. And uh, we see what we're looking for when it comes to other people. Uh, I read an interesting article this week. A group of psychologists did a study on our tendency to see what we expect or what we want to see. And in one study, they asked some teens. They had had a football game that had turned particularly rough. And so they asked teams from, teens from each school to watch the tape of the video game, of the football game, and then to try to determine where the roughness started and who was at fault. Can anybody guess what they, de what they determined? Right. <laughs> each of the group of teens decided that the other school was at fault. Uh, another study uh, was done with some children. You've probably seen this optical illusion before. What do you, what do you see? A rabbit? A duck. Right. A rabbit or a duck. Right. And in this study, they asked children what they saw, and overwhelmingly, vast majority of the kids saw a duck except on Easter Sunday when they saw a rabbit. And who could miss the... <laughs> who could miss it, you know? <laughs> and there's chocolate, so it's just... The likeness is so uh, undeniable, and if they've just got their chocolate rabbit. But we can be overly critical with others and see only their faults while ignoring our own. And Jesus knew this about us. He... He said in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, he says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How, how can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So the antidote to a critical nature or judgmental attitude or, um, is self-examination. Look in the mirror. Remember that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes, that you have problems, that you need grace and forgiveness. And um, we should hope that other people will extend that to us and, and give us that same kind of grace as we recognize um, that everyone uh, needs grace. Then the third attention grabber that can cause us harm or others are the things of this world, sparklies, right? We can fill our lives with the pursuit of worldly gain, things that don't make an eternal difference, things that take our um, eyes off of Jesus and keep us from having time to worship, to, to uh, study, to become more like Jesus Christ. First uh, John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. And these are not from the Father, but are from the world. Be careful of anything that takes your eyes off of Jesus, crowds, crowds him out of your line of sight. Then the fourth attention grabber, is the troubles and trials of life. You know, life, life can be hard. And I know that some of you are going through some trials and some hardships that you're only being carried through by God's grace. 
And when there's a diagnosis that's frightening or a loss that's devastating or chronic pain or some kind of hurt in a relationship, it's easy to think that God has forgotten you or wonder if God even cares about you. And we can be like Peter who looked at the waves and started to sink. We can let fear keep us from experiencing the peace and the presence that Jesus can give us if we take our eyes off the storm and put them on Jesus. And that's what the Bible tells us to do when storms come, is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, Jesus knows what it's like to face a trial, to, to suffer hardship. He's, he's gone before us so that we can look to him and know that he'll get us through. And I can tell you with confidence, whatever you're going through, Jesus is not going to abandon you or leave you. Just keep your eyes fixed on him. Hebrews 12, 1, 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Now there's something about that invitation to fix your eyes on Jesus. It's God's invitation right here in his word and he's inviting you to look to Jesus, the one who's for you, the one who's cheering you on, who's urging you to, to keep going because he's leading the way. He's up there in front of you. Turn your eyes away from the waves. Turn your eyes away from the troubles. Turn your eyes away from the fears about tomorrow. Turn your eyes away from the burdens and look to Jesus right there ahead of you. Fix your eyes on him. And there's something about that invitation to turn your eyes upon Jesus. When you do that, when you look full in the wonderful face of Jesus Christ, the worries, the troubles, the fears, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we, we thank you for the promise that you never leave us or abandon us. And I just pray that you'll help each of us, whatever we're facing or dealing with, to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, to look to you, to keep you and your face right there in front of us and, and remembering your deep love for us. And, and I pray, God, for those who are going through struggles right now, that you'll lift the burden of that today, give them the hope and the peace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Help them to trust you with their future whatever concerns or fears about that they have, that they'll take their eyes off of those and remember the cross. Remember all that you've suffered for us, knowing that you're never going to leave us or abandon us. God, help each of us to, to look to you with faith and trust. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the offering is going to be received as you leave today. Did you know that that song has some verses to it? 
We're, we're going to sing the verses and then be dismissed as we uh, sing the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Joyce will be here at the altar afterwards if anybody needs prayer. And now go in the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, keeping your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Amen.